0: KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. Artificial intelligence is becoming more and more prevalent every day, and that includes in the world of medicine. And while that is leading to some incredible advances, it is also leading to questions, including legal ones, and the technology is way ahead of the law. We wanted to dig into all of this, so we caught up with Professor Sam Hodge. He teaches law and anatomy at Temple University. So to start, with regards to AI, artificial intelligence in the world of healthcare, what are we talking about? Like, are we talking robots? Are we talking software? Are we talking all of the above? Because I think when people hear artificial intelligence, even in this day and age, they think Terminator and stuff like that. Like, what are we we talking about?
1: You are talking about all of the things that you just mentioned. Currently, 86% of healthcare providers utilize at least one form of artificial technology in their practices. Let me give you an example. You walk into a doctor's office now, what happens? The doctor doesn't say to you, hey, how you doing? No, the doctor walks in with a computer, sits down and starts typing. That is artificial intelligence. The practice of medicine has shifted to electronic medical records. And the advantage of it is you come into the doctor and I'm unsure of what's wrong with you. So I type your symptoms into the computer or I talk to the computer. The computer will now analyze all that information and has a brain very much like the neural network of our brains and it will analyze that information and then give you predictions of diagnosis and a treatment plan. Then it says prescribe an antibiotic. So I'm gonna type in antibiotic and it's gonna come up and say, give him amoxicillin. The problem is when I type in amoxicillin, you're taking medication for cholesterol. And it turns out that I can't give you amoxicillin if you're on cholesterol. So there's a pop-up warning given to the doctor, I can't do that right? That's artificial intelligence. Uh, Another problem that's happening is that every seven years, medical literature doubles. There's no physician that can stay on top of and abreast of all these medical developments. Well, you know what? All that information gets put into the computer of artificial intelligence. So now the artificial intelligence is totally up to date with patient records and all the new and latest information that has come out. So it gives the doctor at that doctor's instantaneous fingertips all of that accumulated information.
0: Do we see AI when it comes to procedures? Is there actually some situations where artificial intelligence is driving things in the operating room? Absolutely. Called robotic
1: surgery one of the biggest applications of artificial intelligence. So with robotic surgery, there is a computer now hooked up to this robot. The doctor may not even be in the room or the doctor is sitting in a corner of a room and he's at a console like a PlayStation. And these robotic arms are over the patient and the robotic arms are actually performing the fine manipulations of the surgery. So what ends up happening is a person has heart surgery. Instead of having to crack open the person's entire chest, now through the magic of the artificial intelligence and robotic surgery, you make a little incision. And the robot is able to mimic the doctor's movements and perform that surgery with much more precision. To give you an example, I'm a man of of my own words. I wrote an article on artificial intelligence. I went to a doctor for a routine colonoscopy. I awakened thinking everything's fine. Doctor says we had a problem. I said, what's the matter? He says, we couldn't advance the scope in your colon. You have to go immediately to the hospital and have diagnostic testing done. It turned out that I had a blockage. I had to have a colon resection, major surgery. The problem was I was three weeks before the end of the semester. I can't miss the end of the semester. What am I going to do? Well, I searched for a doctor who did robotic surgery of the gastrointestinal tract. All right. And I found there were only two in Philadelphia. I went to one of those doctors. He performed my resection and I was back teaching. The surgery was on Thursday. I was back teaching on Tuesday. Normally, I would have been out a month. All right. I would have had an incision. It was 12 inches long. Instead, I had five little holes in my abdomen. That's what robotic surgery can now do uh, other examples that aren't so extreme insulin pumps. People have diabetes insulin pump will decide how much medication to give you to give you some other applications that are taking place because I find them fascinating. A man has a horrible headache, goes to the emergency room and as any emergency room is, he walks in and there's patients everywhere. But you go, you check in. So what happens in emergency rooms is, at some point in time, and it's usually quickly, you will be brought back to triage. So with triage, a patient has to be sorted by severity of conditions. You know, it's not like a bakery. First in, you know, we take a number. They take you in based upon your severity of your condition. So the man with the headache goes into the triage nurse. She says, "What's wrong?" And the man. Proceeds to tell his symptoms. The nurse types it into the computer. Immediately, the computer flashes a warning the patient may be having a stroke. Take him immediately to a CAT scan. So, the triage nurse immediately has the patient brought to a CAT scan. CAT scan does a CT of the brain. Within 20 seconds, the computer AI reads the CAT scan no radiologist, the computer does it and indicates that the patient is having an ischemic stroke. The computer then notifies the doctor in the emergency room. Now, when a person has an ischemic stroke, you have a total of four hours from when your symptoms start to when you have to be given a medication called TPA. It is a blood clot buster. If you don't do it, you can't do it again. The doctor immediately is notified, drops everything he's done. The patient is brought in, gives the injection and the clot is dissolved. Total time, 30 minutes. from when the patient walked into the emergency room to when the medication was administered. Normally that person could have sat in that emergency room beyond that time period and missed the window of getting the TPA. That is what artificial intelligence medicine is doing. Is deciding who gets treated, what the diagnosis is, and then the radiology results are read by the computer.
0: This all sounds, it obviously is incredible, but there is a not small portion of American society, which I'm sure would be freaked out by the idea of being treated by artificial intelligence, you know, with a robot leading the way or a computer leading the way. Does my doctor or the healthcare provider I'm dealing with, do they have to tell me that we are utilizing AI in A, B, or C, or is it just part of the treatment and you get what you get? Is that Where are we with that?
1: All right. What you're asking me is a question called informed consent. All right. So with informed consent, a patient has to be told of the things that a reasonable person would want to know in order to make an informed decision on the treatment. So the question is, do I have to tell you that a computer arrived at your diagnosis, all right, Or do I just tell you this is what's wrong with you? So, yes, you're absolutely correct. This is an issue. And to me, you have to be told as the patient that artificial intelligence was used to derive, arrive at the diagnosis that was given to you. But from a legal point of view, that we're going to have to grapple with attorneys is how much intelligence do I have to tell you? Do I have to tell you the success rate of the computer? Do I have to tell you of the other diagnosis that the computer said may be applicable to this situation? And what is predicted that it's going to lead to a lot more arguments and disputes between patients and physicians about artificial intelligence you, you see here's the problem artificial intelligence will tell me what's wrong with you and the other diagnosis right and it will tell me what the probability is what artificial cannot tell me and which is going to be the source of litigation is they can't tell you how they arrived at that decision so all i do is i can tell you that you have monkeypox or you have covid But the computer will not be able to tell the doctor how the computer arrived at that decision. So how does the doctor explain it to you? So it's great. I know what's wrong with you, but I can't explain how the computer got there.
0: The question of liability, I would guess, if it's in a doctor's office and something terrible happens to you and you feel like the doctor's at fault, you would there'd be litigation against the doctor or against the hospital you're in. But is that a gray area? If AI is utilized and does it get the doctor off the hook? Hey, I was just doing what this incredible computer program said. It's not my fault that X, Y, and Z happened. It seems to me like that could get really, really hairy.
1: It it can be. And you're asking, again, a great question. One of the problems we have is we have all this great technology that advances society it takes about 10 years for the law to catch up with the technology. So as you and I are having this conversation, we have all these open questions involving how AI is going to apply in litigation involving malpractice. But there are no reported cases yet that will tell us what the outcome will be. But let me just identify for you some of the problems that we see with AI. So. Right now, in a malpractice context, if I sue a physician, the standard of care is the average physician in that locality. So if you are a cardiologist in Philadelphia, you're gonna be held to the standard of care of a cardiologist in Philadelphia. But if you are in a small rural town in Pennsylvania, right? And you're the family doctor and you are staffing the emergency room because they don't have those experts. However, you have access to artificial intelligence. Now, what's going to be the standard of care to that physician in the small town? Will that doctor now be held to a higher standard of care because that doctor has access to the computer that the same physician in Philadelphia will have? So one of the things that people are struggling with in the legal community is, will physicians be held to a higher standard of care? And now it's going to be a national standard. Every physician will be held to the same standard of care because they're all going to have access to this computer that has all these databases in it that can arrive at at a diagnosis. We don't know the answer to that. Another question, and again, it goes back to what you asked me, So the AI arrives at a diagnosis, and I say, you have COVID. Turns out that the diagnosis is wrong. So I'm treating you for COVID, and it turns out that in reality, you have an infection that's caused sepsis. And I should be giving you a whole different course of treatment. Who is responsible? Is it the doctor? Is it the manufacturer of the software? Is it the developer of the software program? We don't know at this point. Before, it would just be the doctor. Now you have all these other entities that had an influence in making the diagnosis, and we don't know. And furthermore, if you say, okay, they all played a part in reaching that diagnosis, how do you apportion the liability between those entities that identified? How much is it the doctor's fault? How much it is the software developer's fault? That's an open-ended question. To take it a step further, you would sue under a products liability theory, right? And that is that if a seller puts a unreasonably dangerous product into the marketplace, you're absolutely liable. Here's the problem. Number one, these systems, Are designed to evolve. So if you are my physician and you have an artificial intelligence machine, we know when I give it to you that you are going to load your patient records into that machine. I know you're going to add in your your diagnostic imaging. I know you have a database of literature that you like. So the computer is designed to evolve, to change. Therefore, the manufacturer or software developer will say, there was nothing wrong with the machine when I gave it to you. Any error that arose, arose from the information you put into the machine later on. Therefore, I'm not responsible. Is that fair? Or here's another problem. Products liability applies to the sale of goods. A car is a good, right? A computer is a good. What's a software application? Is that a good or is that a service? All right, and it may end up being that the physician who relied upon the artificial intelligence ends up holding the bag, ends up being responsible. And and here's another problem. The hospital is the one who's going to buy the machine, not the individual doctor's. The doctor is the one that misinterpreted, but the hospital supplied the machine that the doctor used. Is the hospital going to be liable? These are all unanswered questions that uniquely arise by the use of artificial intelligence in medicine.
0: And you said earlier, and I, I agree, that it takes the law 10 years to catch up, but it's not static. Like we're not stopping technology right now, and that'll take. So we're constantly going to be chasing things here. We're in danger here of having the law being just woefully behind what it could look like in five, 10 years. You're absolutely correct.
1: And that's a problem. I will say, though, it's not unique to artificial intelligence and medicine. This is a problem that arises in all areas of the law that it just lags behind technology. So all we can do is to try to use Traditional principles of law, and then try to apply them. Uh, That's all we can do. The problem is, you know, when you sit there and project forward, traditional principles of law may not be applicable anymore to artificial intelligence in medicine because of these open questions that I identified.
0: We need to take a break. We will have more with Professor Sam Hodge right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back continuing our conversation on KYW News Radio in depth with Professor Sam Hodge of Temple University. Are you worried about our healthcare system, doctors, a lack of imagination because you become so connected to, well, the computer says you have this, so I'm just going to prescribe this, and, and we kind of lose the human touch and the, the gut feeling and, you know, well, I've seen this person for 15 years and they've never done X, Y, and Z. And now they're doing X, Y, and Z. Like how much of that is a concern here as we come, become more and more connected and then dependent on the technology?
1: Let me give you an analogy. You use Google Maps to take you someplace. Google Maps sometimes will take you a direction that is out of the way. It happens to me all the time, Mm -hmm. right? But do I still follow Google Maps because I, I don't know where? Yes. I get lazy when I use Google Maps. You know, before I would plot out where I was going to go. Now I don't do that. I just plug the address in and go. Is that the same thing that's going to happen in medicine? That doctors will no longer use independent judgment, that they will just load in everything into the computer, look at what the computer generates and the probabilities of each diagnosis and then work off of that and not use the thinking abilities that the doctor was trained to do. I hope that doesn't happen, right? Because to me, the doctor still has the ultimate responsibility. The doctor still has to accumulate the facts. I believe artificial intelligence in medicine is just one tool. It is not the tool that supersedes everything else. The doctor, regardless of what the doctor does and how much the doctor relies on the artificial intelligence, will remain liable for making the ultimate diagnosis.
0: I'm curious, from an insurance standpoint, are insurance companies less likely to want to give a policy to a doctor's office that is AI heavy, or are they more likely because there's less human error? Are policies going to, you know, could we see where they don't cover something unless it's there's an AI angle, or they won't if there is? Is that something we have to grapple with as well? I don't think so at this point in time,
1: but what will happen in years to come, will a will the insurance policy say, doctor, you will now need to have an artificial intelligence computer in your office, all right? And if you don't have it, we're going to increase your premium. That may happen. It's not there yet. Rather, I'll tell you how the insurance companies are looking at it. The insurance companies are really excited about this. And let me give you a statistic. In the United States, between 210,000 and 400,000 deaths occur each year because of medical errors. What are these medical errors? They're primarily because of improper diagnosis and improper treatment. AI will overcome that obstacle. That statistic should be substantially diminished when artificial intelligence is more integrated into the practice.
0: So we're going to continue regardless of everything we've talked about. We're just going to see this become more and more prevalent, and it's uh, it'll be leading the way more and more. If you and I are talking 10, 15 years from now, are we pretty much in a situation, you think, where there's just kind of a doctor kind of overseeing everything? The software develops everything, and then maybe the doctor just kind of okays or dissents or whatever. Is that, is that what we're leaning towards eventually? Let me give you the good and the bad. So
1: I hope we don't arrive at what you just said, but here's the good of the computer. If we're sitting here 10 years from now, no matter where you're located in the United States, you will have access to the leading experts in the country. All right. So you can be the physician in the emergency room in that small town hospital in Pennsylvania, But with the aid of the computer, you have access to that literature and information that the leading experts in the world would have. So you will have a much more intelligent way of diagnosing a patient. So what you're going to see is the level of care in all areas of the United States improve. Areas that are not serviced by physicians will be able to improve the quality of care. It also will improve and overcome the problems we have with shortages of doctors. We won't need as many doctors because will we rely upon it, right? So there are many, many advantages. The downside is what you identify. Will we have a doctor that will rely upon the computer and not really apply the training and experience that that physician has over the years? I don't know the answer to that. We're going to have to wait and see. You see, here's the problem with artificial intelligence. Not only are there no cases yet to tell us what the doctor can do and not do, but there also are no regulations yet. And that's going to have to develop. And when that develops, the bad scenario that we just outlined may not happen because there'll be a regulation that will say the doctor can't do that. But we don't know yet. This is, these are areas that are going to have to evolve.